Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whatever time you're listening or wherever you're listening from. Welcome along to A Blank Canvas. This is episode 21 with Beth Dobbin. How are you doing? What's going on in your world? I hope you're having a good time. Thank you to everyone for reaching out and sending those really nice messages to me. It's really, really refreshing. So thank you very much. I hope everyone's enjoying all the episodes and all the episodes to come too. Whilst I've got your attention, in a previous episode, I said that I wasn't such a fan of Taylor Swift's latest album, Evermore. I'm here to make a correction. I listened to it over the weekend. Really like it. So I'm here to set the record straight. Taylor Swift's latest album is a masterpiece. You heard it here. It's a masterpiece. It's so damn good. Okay, this episode today is with Beth Dobbin. What a great guest, an incredible talent. She's an elite athlete specializing in the 200 meter sprint. She's the current Scottish 200 meter record holder. We'll discuss it in great depth. Fantastic episode, the first ever athlete on a blank canvas. Thank you again to Beth so much for taking part in this episode. This is episode 21 of a blank canvas. Welcome, Welcome to a blank canvas with Cameron Rawson. Cameron Rawson. So Beth, I want to start by asking how you're dealing with your lockdown. Everyone's dealing with it differently. It must be weird for you in your own way. So how, yeah. Yeah, how are you dealing with it? Yeah, so the, the obviously this is lockdown three. Um, yep. So I feel like I've kind of got a lot used to it, but I'm really fortunate in this lockdown that it's not too much different to my normal life. So fortunately, um, the last two lockdowns that we've had, Elite Sport um, has had an exemption, which we didn't have the first time around. So I'm still able to go to the track, still able to use the gym. Um, still able to see my physios and everything like that. So it's actually not too bad this time around. And I, have, I keep saying like lockdown life isn't that much different to an athlete's normal life. Like we don't normally socialize, you know, we're normally getting <laughs> early nights, ready for training the next day. So like I'm I'm coping really well. Obviously the first lockdown I did not cope well because um, the trap was closed. But yeah, this time around, it really doesn't feel too different. So the first time around, given all the tracks were closed, how did you train? Did you train? I'm, I'm assuming you did. Yeah, because when we first went into lockdown, um, the Olympics hadn't even been cancelled yet. So it was kind of, we didn't even have a choice. We obviously still needed to train. And then I think there was a couple of weeks where I was training on grass and absolutely stressing out, so panicking, because when you're trying to run wow. flat out. Yeah, it must be yeah. strange on grass. Yeah, it's it's not the same. You need like good conditions, perfect kind of your footwear needs to be right, the contacts need to be good, and that just isn't the case on grass. So um yeah, it was stressful. Obviously gyms were shut as well, so I had to kind of convert my garage into a gym and it was just yeah, just the unknown, knowing not knowing like when are we gonna be out of this. You you used to doing everything in such a routine and um athletes are typically so when things aren't perfect it's quite stressful so yeah it wasn't ideal but then when the olympics got cancelled even though it was obviously devastating it was kind of a relief at the same time because i was sat there thinking how am i going to train for the olympics on some grass it just isn't <laughs> ideal uh so for people that are listening thinking okay so how can you uh i'm playing devil's advocate here so for people listening mm -hmm. who are like how can you 
uh, practice and train safely when other people can't go to the gym? Sounds like a bit of a dick question to ask, but I'm curious, are there like practices in place where you have to follow strict rules and stuff or do you all get tested often? Yeah, it is it is really strict. So we're we're literally not allowed anywhere near anyone else, which is so mad. Like your training group, you used to running with them all the time and, and being in quite close contact. Whereas now it's like strict two meters, everyone's got their own station where they can put the stuff and they've got to stay away from everyone else. So um it's all spaced out and same in the gym, you know, you're not allowed to share anything, everything's being cleaned down. There's only a handful of people allowed in at the same time. So it's all really strict. And the staff are PPE'd or they have to wear the full mask, apron, gloves. Wow, um, fair. Yeah, we're not allowed into the track unless we've like passed our temperature checks. And then if anyone kind of in your group or who you've been in the gym at the same time with tests positive or shows symptoms, that's it. You're, you're then going for a test as well. Um, and isolate until you get the results so that's happened quite a lot to me my my group have been really unlucky at the track I've I've, I've been isolating <laughs> like on and off it's only been a few days at a time but yeah I've had to do a lot more tests than I want to but um yeah it's it's like you said we've still got even though I'm training for the Olympics and that's really important to me I've still got to play my part in this whole situation respect that everyone for you. else respect for you there for that yeah um, I mean, I'm absolutely an advocate for gyms being open. I think it's, we won't get too political, but I think it's ridiculous how gyms are shut, to be honest, because the numbers, you can access the numbers just by Googling like the infection rate in gyms. And it's so, so low because it, people that don't go to gyms or don't really understand a gym will be like, oh, it must be a bit of a bit of a horrible place for transmission and infection. But in reality, people clean up after themselves, you know, in, in like a JD gym or a pure gym, people spray things down. So I think it is pretty ridiculous how um, people can't access the gym. Um, sad, really. Um, yeah. So to talk about you, I want to talk about how you, uh, basically at the beginning for you, so you joined Doncaster Athletic Club when you were 12, but did mm -hmm. you have, I mean, it's such a unique, I'd say, job, passion, love, career you have that there's no clear route. Like to be a doctor, you kind of go to university, you study, um, you know, the specific degree, whereas with what you're doing, it's kind of, how did you, how did you come to like, like love athletics and how did you find you a fast? I mean, how, how does this all happen? Yeah, it's, it's a really weird one because I think a lot of the things that go into it, you actually can't teach. You've either got it or you haven't because the kind of commitment and discipline you need to do it is just, you couldn't do it for anyone else except yourself. It's it's so tough. So I think I was lucky because my dad, um, he demonstrates a lot of those qualities. Um, he used to be a professional sports person himself. So I've been around that. And I think I grew up with that kind of mentality and that kind of work ethic. Because even though you do need the talent, for me, I think the biggest thing you need is, is a work ethic. So I was lucky I, I kind of learned that from my dad um, and that was ingrained in me in a young age. It's a lot harder to kind of teach that or, or do anything with that at an older age. Um, and I just started going for runs with my dad. Um, he was really active, keeping fit. And, and I just fell in love with like the feeling you get when you're exercising and you're in so much pain 
It sounds quite realistic, actually. It's so weird. But it's such a good feeling because you're like, I am like pushing myself to my limits. And yeah, I just I just really kind of not got addicted to that, but just that was like an adrenaline rush for me. And I really, really enjoyed it. And then, you know, my parents never really pushed me, even though they knew I was good at it and they, they saw I enjoyed it. They, I kind of had to test my dad to take me to the athletics club. Um, and he did. And yeah, from there, I, I definitely wasn't, you know, one of the most talented there at all. Um, and when I started, I was actually doing long distance running and I just, you know, went into whatever group they told me to go in. And I, I ended up in a sprints group and and kind of it went from there. So I of, often do think to myself, you know, whatever group I ended up in, it would be interesting to see where I would be now if I'd gone into an endurance group or or whatever. I don't think I'd be any good at the throws. but yeah. <laughs> It would be interesting to see what other um, path I could have gone down. So do you remember the first time you went for a run with your dad? Um, how old were you and like how far did you go? Do you remember that? Yeah, I was I was really young. I was in primary school um, and he oh, was... Oh, wow, that is very young. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I remember um, in primary school, I think I was in year five, I started on the cross-country team. So he was taking me um, to like train for that. And he retired quite old. So it's not like he was a young spring chicken. So we were probably similar ability at that age. He was like coming to the end of his career. And I was just a kid with like loads of energy. And I just remember like little things from it. Like um, he'd say to me, you know, we don't we don't stop till you get to the gate. And when when you're on a long run, you honestly can't even feel your legs towards the end of it. And I just remember like looking at the gate at the front of my house thinking, just keep going till I get to that. And it's just like little things like that that I, I still use now, like, keep, don't stop before the line, keep going, you know, when, when training's really tough. So yeah, it definitely has taught me a lot. So you said you started uh, long distance. How did you find the transition to going as fast as possible in a, in a shorter time and shorter distance? Yeah, it, it took a long time, to be honest, because I showed, like, signs of being a good endurance runner um, going to the sprints, I wasn't actually that good, but I just enjoyed training and I still did a bit of both because um, I do think for kids it's important not to specialise too quick. It's important to try everything. Um, so I was doing bits of sprints and bits of endurance. And again, even when I got to 18 and I moved to university in Loughborough, I was I was doing sprints like pretty much full time then, um, no endurance stuff. Uh, but I still wasn't that good at it. And it's it's kind of something that I've had to really, really work on um, and improve. And I've just done that through training, really. It's not it's not something probably that has came natural to me. I know that sounds like hard to believe because um, how can you do well in it if it doesn't come natural to you? But I definitely think to start out with, I, I was just a kid that was happy to do what they were told in any form of exercise. So I just went in whatever group I was told to go in. So do you feel it was around, so was it, did you say around 18 that you'd started making the transition to like, well, yeah, how old were you when you went from going from endurance to, um, I don't know what the, the, the sports term is, but uh, sprinting? Yeah, no, no, that'll do. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I was probably about 16 when I, when I thought, no, I'm actually doing quite well in the sprints. I'll, I'll really stick at that. I mean, it's, and it's really different at club level because when I was at Doncaster, you'd, a competition and to get points for your club you'd you'd do loads of different events so I ended up in all I think I did hammer throw and all sorts just to get points for my club um and then yeah when I was 16 I kind of 
specialised a bit more. And then when I moved to my coach that I'm with now in Loughborough, he was kind of, yeah, we're not messing around anymore. This is serious. You're going to be a sprinter um, and kind of went down that route. So you went to university in Loughborough. What's university life as a as a as an as an athlete compared to say someone who I'm going to pick on Newcastle here, someone who goes to university in Newcastle <laughs> who drinks all the time um, and probably has a terrible diet? How does that work as a university student? Do you do you still drink? I mean, how is this now as well? Do you drink now? Like, yeah, how? Uh, tell me everything, yeah, please. <laughs> it's so weird because um, yeah, it's so I thought coming to Loughborough it would be like the perfect environment everyone's going to take it really seriously you know no one's going to go out and we're all going to get on with our sport like I wanted to and I, I even um, lived in like a, an elite athlete block in my first year of uni because I was like oh I need to focus you know I don't want any distraction those athletes parted more than I've ever seen in my life I couldn't believe it <laughs> they were like going Amazing. out three four times a week um getting absolutely hammered and I it was much but because it wasn't just athletics athletes in there, there was like rugby players, footballers, all of us together. It seemed like in individual sports, it was much more, you know, strict, disciplined. And then in the team sports, they they just seemed to want to party all the time. And it was kind of like work hard, play hard. Um, but in terms of like the, the drinking and going out culture, I feel so lucky because um, when I was 16, obviously I was at Danum and uh, at sixth form and uh, and still to this day all of my friends or the majority of my friends don't have anything to do with the sport so they obviously drink like most normal people do and from the age of 16 to 18 I just remember going out every weekend into town Um I'm so glad my mum let me do that because I I felt like doing that at 16 to 18 I really got it out of my system when I could big up Doncaster by the way it. yeah yeah <laughs> Doncaster town centre great memories there um, but yeah, going out as like a 16 year old um, kind of got it out of my system. And then when I moved to uni, I kind of took my athletics much more seriously. And I think you can get away with anything when you're 16. You can eat what you want. You can do what you want. And, and nothing really affects you. But the older you get, the more it affects. But I'm lucky with alcohol because I've never really been a big drinker anyway. It's not something I enjoy. Um, I don't drink much at all. I, I'll only really on like really special occasions but I, I, it just doesn't do anything for me so it's not something I feel like I've missed out on um, and I feel quite lucky because when I do go out with my friends I don't bring 99% of the time and and I don't really feel any different I feel like I, I just whatever mood they're in I'll just I'll just mix that so if they're really giddy I can just match <laughs> that and I don't feel like I, I really have needed a drink for that so yeah I'm you're lucky in a way yeah i guess it's worked out in your favor because you could be uh an elite athlete and love to drink and then you'd be <laughs> in a bit of shit really wouldn't you um so yeah <laughs> so in terms of like your um it might be boring for you you might think this question's boring to answer or whatever but I, i'm very curious i think a lot of people will be curious so in terms of like your your nutrition plan like what you eat is it so strict is there you know is it lenient is how does it all work with your with what you eat? Um, it is sometimes, but it's not as strict as most people would think because as athletes, we can sometimes be ex exercising for like four to five hours a day. And if you think about the amount of calories that you burn, especially as a sprinter, um, 
because it's a lot of intensity, high intensity exercise, you burn a lot of calories. So it's not like, oh, we barely can eat, you know, we, you know, we have to be really, really strict. Yeah, I don't have McDonald's every day. Um, but you can you have to eat quite a lot because for me, it's not about um kind of maintaining a body body image or anything like that. It's about right, what session have I had today? I need to eat quite a lot to to refuel from that again what session have I got tomorrow I need to eat quite a lot to fuel for that so it is important um in terms of you know I can't be eating chocolate bars every single day but you you actually have the most important thing is eating enough so that you can fuel a five-hour session um and eat bringing snacks with you to the track and things like that um so yeah I, I know a lot of people think oh athletes look so lean on the tv they must really you know really be strict with the diet but actually we're so lean because we're exercising literally all day every day so well not all day every day but a lot of the day does your nutrition plan change when you've got a competitive race coming up so two weeks before a week before will you have a strict plan then yeah it definitely does then because as you go into the season you're not you're not at kind of the same intensity intensity as you would be now so now we're in like winter training so it's a lot of longer stuff a lot of volume and so you you need a lot more food for that but as you go to racing the it's the intensity drops down it's a lot more quick sharp getting ready stuff um so it's yeah you probably eat less then because you don't you don't feel like you need as much food to fuel and I'm quite not superstitious but if I've got a big race coming up I if I eat a chocolate bar before it and then I race and it doesn't go well I'm thinking about a chocolate bar that I had three weeks ago and I'm like it's that chocolate (laughs) bar that's done it so for peace of mind when I get into like April time that's it I'm really really strict and I probably then won't eat anything that I class as naughty until um like I've done well at my races and then I'll treat myself to a big slice of chocolate cake <laughs> um you mentioned seasonal training so does depending on the season what you do how you do it what you eat also change yeah so kind of in athletics you've got your off season which is september time and that's where it's it's typically around four weeks and you're not doing anything no exercise like i think the most i do is is walk that's all you do you don't train at all just to let your body recover and in that time I literally eat what I want do what I want stay up as late as I want just be a normal (laughs) human for four weeks and then we go into something called winter training which is what I'm in at the moment and that lasts around um October till March time and that's quite a lot of heavy load and longer stuff uh, lots of stuff in the gym just getting really really strong and then from April till like the start of September time, that's your kind of summer season. So a lot of the load of the programme comes out and it's just a lot of short, sharp, quick stuff and um, getting ready to race. Um, so, yeah, it is different depending on like the time of the year, because if you just think about it, if you go into a race, you don't want lots of heavy gym in your legs. You want to be as fresh as possible. So we should mention, because we're, we're already... Uh... 20 minutes in enough I've forgotten to bring up the fact that you specialize I guess the word is in 200 meters and you're also the uh, Scottish record holder is that right yes that's right which, yeah. which so, must must feel pretty fucking sweet when you wake up in the morning and you're like yeah I'm I'm pretty fast you know um that must feel great yeah 
Yeah, it is because I think I've exceeded like all my own expectations. That's um, amazing. So, That's amazing. Yeah. So anything that I do, I'm like, oh my God, this feels so good because I didn't think I would do this. And I know that's probably a bit of a negative way of looking at it. But yeah, I just didn't think that any of this would happen to me. I kind of thought I wasn't quite good enough. So yeah, anything that I do, it's just like a bonus. But yeah, it was, it, in my head, it wasn't supposed to happen. Well, it did, and albeit it's late. Congratulations! Um, um, so I, I wanna, I'm, I'm trying to, I wanna get in like your head for when you're just about to race. So when you're on the track and you're about to run, what is going through your mind at that point? Um, it's kind of just trying to stay focused because in the sprints, it's such a small margin of, of error. Like if you just react slightly too late to the gl- the gun or put one step out that's it you've 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 gone from first place to maybe fourth place because in in sprints and athletics in general everything's measured to like the hundredth of a second so like in 2018 when I won the British champs I won it in 2259 and the girl that finished second won it in 2260 that's a hundredth of a second and that is literally yeah that is literally the difference so if you just 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 a slight delay in the reaction to the gun and the starter's gun, or, you know, like I said, just one bit of your race that goes wrong, you've literally dropped down a place and you can no longer say that you're British champion. You know, it's just, it's, it's a minute and like kind of differences that separate you from out of the medals. So for me, when I'm on the start line, I'm just trying to be really focused. Think of, I kind of give myself three cues that I am thinking of to execute my race. Uh, and roll with that because you don't want to overwhelm yourself and think right I've got a hundred things to do in this race let's try and do them all I just kind of think of the three main important ones to me they'll be different for everyone depending on your strengths and weaknesses uh, and kind of make sure that I do that but get it wrong all the time like when it goes well you obviously have success but it goes wrong so much as well because it's it is so easy to go wrong because you've got such a short amount of time so yeah just try and stay focused as much as possible so bands for example will uh before they go on stage they'll have like a little uh, pre-show ritual do athletes do you have this kind of thing so before you might listen to a certain song or you know do certain things before you go into the track yeah i like to have like a really good routine so it's more like right making sure i've done my warm-up properly and a certain amount of runs in my warm-up to make sure that I feel physically ready to go and I used to be like quite not superstitious but I have to have an energy gel and I have to you know do x y and z and then in a competition I went to a competition in France um at the start of 2018 and my hand luggage got taken off me um and they told me they were going to put it like below me and uh, athlete's golden rule is like um always carry your spikes in your ha- in your hand luggage because if you get your spikes taken off you you're really really screwed um, and they were taking it off me and I had no there was nothing I could do about it oh. and then except pray that it made it there or because they were going to put it under the plane and I got there and my hand luggage was nowhere to be seen so oh, I was literally no. yeah what? I, I wore the same socks pants everything for three days because I didn't have any I didn't have any money on me um because I'm in a foreign country and normally all of that sort of stuff is like you don't need it you're just racing uh, I didn't have any spikes I had to borrow um a guy's endurance spikes and we were I obviously wear sprint spikes that are a size too big and but that day I 
um, ran like my fastest ever opener. It was my first race of the season. And that just kind of blew away all the superstitions that I had. You know, I need an energy gel. I need not to be up all night stressing because I was up all that night stressing about where my bag was. Um, and yeah, I ran my fastest ever opener. So it just gave me so much confidence that, you know, things don't always have to go right. Obviously, I'm not going to just not take my spikes next time. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think just, just knowing that, you know, I don't always have to have this certain energy gel. I can not be so superstitious and it still will go well if the if you put the training in. So you mentioned earlier about um with with the times of uh races and when people win and it's such a, a small amount of time in between. Mm. Do you practice your reaction speeds then in terms of when you set off with the gu- when the gun goes? Yeah, that's something I've had to work on a lot throughout the years because when I moved to my coach um eight years ago now, I was like half asleep in the blocks and it the, the he's got this like clapper thing that mimics the gun sound and he'd do that and then you know I'd, I'd just be daydreaming and then I'd go whereas now it's kind of like anytime I hear a sharp uh, loud noise <laughs> I'm kind of reacting to it because you're just programmed to do it so yeah typically now 90% of the time I, I do react as literally as soon as I hear something um, but it's, it's again it's just practice and and doing things over and over again in training and over and over again um, over the years when I've been racing, just to make sure that when the important races come around, you, you're kind of ready to go. So you're racing and you've just finished the race. Do you know where you've come? Do you find out? what? Do you kind of look around? How does it work in your head? Do you, do you just keep on running and you kind of get trying to catch your breath? Do you look up at a board? How do you know you've won the race? And what's the feeling when you've just won a race? Yeah, so it's it depends on kind of how the race has gone. So if you've like gapped the field and you know you're ahead, um, then you you're confident that you've won. Um, but you still have to wait for your time to show up on the results board. But back in 2018, when I, that race that I spoke about that was so close, it I I was like 80 percent sure I'd won because you, you kind of do know, even though it's a hundredth of a second in it, you can feel yourself slightly in front. But then what was happening is they do replays. And on one angle of the replay, I was like, yeah, I've definitely won that. And then on the other angle, I was like, oh, my God, no, I finished second. And and they, sometimes the results can, especially when it's close, they can take forever to come through. Right. So it's such an agonising wait because what they do is they, they've got the photo finish and they're making sure they give the, the right position to the right athlete. So it, it can take a long time. Um, and that that feeling of anxiety, like I don't want to celebrate now and look like an absolute idiot when they, <laughs> they give me second place. Um, but the feeling that you get when you either win a race or win a win a personal win a personal best or kind of you've done a good achievement, I just can't put into words how amazing it feels. Like athletes dedicate their their whole lives. It's a twenty four seven job. Um, like especially with this lockdown situation that's happened. It, may, it makes me think that like now the suffering that kind of people are experiencing in terms of not being able to socialize and, and missing out on things that is what athletes go through day in day out um because you know you you put all this hard work in training but it means nothing if you're not recovering because if you don't recover you can't go to training um, and be at your best so you miss out on so much stuff I've missed my friends weddings you know, I've missed majority of their birthdays because 90% of the time I've got training the next morning and um, so I can't go. So for me, when you cross that finish line, 
it's just a feeling of, oh my God, all of those sacrifices you've made, the way you live your life, you know, the, the strict regime you put on yourself every single day has been 100% worth it because you've just achieved something amazing. And for people that are watching, whether it's on television or in the stadium or by the track or anything like that, to them, obviously, they're enjoying the moment and sharing the moment with you, but you've put so much time, so much energy, as, as you've said here, so many sacrifices into that mm-hmm. moment. It just, I don't think anyone, unless you've experienced it, can really imagine what it feels like. Yeah, definitely. And especially like some of the training we do, like it is brutal. You, you're, you know, I'm not, I don't ever throw up at training, but a lot of athletes throw up. I constantly feel sick, you know, after a long running session. It's just that dizziness kind of, you've made yourself, put, put yourself through so much pain. Do you like that feeling though? I, I love that feeling. Because there's <laughs> obviously something wrong with me. Um, I love that feeling. But yeah, it's it's at the same time, it's like not enjoyable while you're actually going through it. And yeah, like you said, when you cross the finish line and you think, you know, I've absolutely worked my ass off this whole year and it's really, really been worth it. And and not just this whole year, like since since I was eight, I've been, you know, putting in the work and, and going for runs with my dad and, and, you know, really, really pushing myself. And all that boils down to like, one moment at one twenty second race. So what do you think is uh, one of the, well, maybe the biggest highlight, the best experience you've ever had um, within within your life so far, within your career? Um, I would say it's uh, in 2018 at the British Champs when I won um, because I was really confident going into that race, but I don't think anyone else expected me to win. Um, me and my coach and probably my mum and dad knew that I, I could. And if I did did everything right, I would. Um, but the year before, I'd finished sixth. The year before that, I'd finished seventh. I'd never really been one of the big names. And in 2018, I just had this big breakthrough season. Um, and I just knew that it, there was an opportunity there for me to become British champion and represent GB for the first time. Um, winning that race, I, I was selected to represent Great Britain in the London Olympic Stadium. And then again at the European Championships in Berlin. So I knew kind of there was a lot of, of pressure riding on that that I'd put on myself because I wanted that for myself and and my friends from school they all came to watch me race which I've never I've never even I, I never even really talk about it much to them and, and I said to them do you want to come and re- watch me race and they were like yeah definitely and so there was there was so many people there watching this and I'd put a lot of pressure on myself and then for that to come off it kind of it's a huge relief because you think I've invited all these people. Like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't embarrass myself. Um, but yeah, that day was was funny. And having all those people there um, made it so much special. Like, my friends came up to me at the end and they all looked so rough. They had makeup running down the face. I'm thinking, <laughs> you could have put a bit of effort in. Like, you've come to watch me race. And it turned out because they've been crying, like, with oh, joy. Oh, that's adorable. Uh, like, yeah. And honestly, and it didn't click straight away. I was like, God, these girls look rough. What's going on? <laughs> and it was literally because they'd been crying their eyes out. All the mascara had ran down the face. Um, but yeah, it just it that was really important for me because I missed so much of their life experiences. It was good for them to see right. This is why I do it. And I think yeah. since that day, they've they've definitely understood and kind of got why I dedicate my life to it because they they were buzzing um, about it as well. Was it always a dream to represent? Great Britain or was it something that's kind of just 
come with the effort and the time and work and passion for the sport? Yeah, it's definitely been a dream, but I'd say it was more like a fantasy because I I re- I really really wanted it, but I definitely didn't think it could happen and I knew obviously anyone kind of would want to represent Great Britain. I think my mum would want to represent Great Britain, <laughs> but it doesn't mean like it's going to happen and I think I yeah, I I kind of accepted that maybe I might have a slim slim chance as like the sixth member of the relay um if I, you know, kind of ran a lot quicker but for me to then in 2018 finish first and have that top position um representing Great Britain I was it was kind of more disbelief and kind of shock because yeah and although I wanted it to happen I had kind of accepted that it never would um, and then it did so yeah never kind of put limits on yourself that's mega uh so when you're racing do you find that you kind of zone out from the crowd when there's people watching or do you focus on people cheering and it spurs you on? Um, so I always think the, the sign of a good race is if you've not heard a thing, can't remember a thing and it was just a massive blur because that means you've been completely relaxed, you've just run it like naturally and, and, and you've ended up running really quick. Whereas when you are aware of all that going on, it's it just means you're, well, for me, I'm not, Kind of in the zone and I'm not it's not gone so well so yeah races where I've been aware of things I I end up running not as quick and then races where I'm just like it, it's like a blacked out like I genuinely can't remember a thing or I might have remembered one or two things from it but on the whole I can't remember anything and that's always a better race because you've literally just switched off and focused on your key things and done done what's natural for you how many competitive races would you usually take part in in a normal season? Obviously, it's been a bit fucking weird this last year. But yeah. in a typical year, how many races would you uh, take part in that are competitive? I'd say it's about between 15 and 20 races, including the indoor and the outdoor season. But some of those will be at like the same competition. So, for example, at the British Champs, you'll have a heat and a final um, and then when you go on to the world champs, there'll be like heat semis, finals, three rounds. So um, it sounds quite a lot that you hear there and everywhere, but actually you can have two or three at, at one event. Um, so it's not as much as it sounds. But And then some. on the other hand, it does sound quite little, like you, re- you practice your whole 365 days for like 15 to 20 races. It doesn't <laughs> sound like that much when you say it like that. But um, because you're trying to run flat out, it's a lot different to other sports because you're pushing your body to the absolute maximum. Like there's a very fine line between um, running, like doing too much training and getting injured and not doing enough training and not running as fast. So yeah, it's, it takes a lot out of your body, those one races. And so it's, it's important not to race too much and kind of make yourself too tired. Well, I guess it's one of the few sports where you're exerting all your energy and one blow whereas other sports you kind of train to to kind of last longer you know because obviously with footballers or long distance endurance most sports i'd say you're kind of doing it uh you know you're preserving as much energy for it to, to exert over a long period of time aren't you yeah definitely i think that's why athletics is so unique because it's like yeah so fine for athletes are so finely tuned to depending on what their events so say if they're an 800 meter runner they're so well trained to be able to you know be so fit and healthy to finish that whole race 
um, and not have anything left. And it's it's mad how athletes have to judge that in the race because if you've got something left, then you could have gone faster. And then on the other hand, if you've not got anything left and there's 50 metres to go, then yeah, you're screwed. <laughs> have you ever had that feeling before? It's a, it's a horrible question to ask because it's yeah. I guess it came, comes with a negative race essentially, but have you ever had that feeling before where you're so close to the line and you're like, oh God, I mean, what is that feeling like when you've kind of run out of fuel in the tank? Yeah, I mean, I'm my strengths are I'm a strong like back end runner, so I'm really, really strong the last fifty meters. And so, fortunately, touch wood, I don't want to lose that. Now I said this, but I've never really done a race and thought, "Oh my god, I ran out of steam there." But I have been in a position where I've finished a race and thought I didn't build enough speed around the bend. That's kind of my weakness. So every every athlete has their strengths and weaknesses. And if you don't build enough speed around the bend, it's kind of the race, the other girls pull away from you and you just spend that whole race chasing. So it's a really fine line between not building up too much speed so that you've got nothing left. But yeah, it's, it's, it's all a balancing act and it's so technical, even like the hundred meters where, where you think, oh, they're just running flat out. It's so technical that their, their acceleration part is like, um, finally tuned to what works for them. And some people like like not a slower acceleration, but a more gradual acceleration. So that to get them all the way through to the line, it's 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 weird how you think you can run flat out for a hundred meters, but actually your body will just naturally slow down because it's not natural for for people to do that. So, do you watch other people you're going to race against further down the line? So, obviously, in football. There'll be people who are from a team that will go watch somebody else play and go, well, they're their tactics and this is how they play and this kind of thing. So will you kind of watch how other people race who you're going to race further down the line or is that not something you do? I think it's not that useful in athletics because if I'm running racing with someone that has a specific strength, there's nothing that I can do to, to go change against, that. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. okay, so, that makes sense athletes tend to focus more on their like I focus on my own lane and it almost doesn't feel like I'm racing against anyone because you're that focused on you and you're just trying to like do your race plan um as good as possible that you're almost racing yourself and you might feel the other girls when you get on the straight and you're nearer towards the finish line and it might push you on a bit but typically especially in the 200 meters you start at a staggered start so you're you're on your own for a lot of the bend anyway um I think the kind of looking at your opposition can be really useful in in relays because you can learn from what teams do well uh, and kind of use that in your in your team. But I think in the individual, um, it, it's good to look at like good athletes that have got good technique and trying to work on that technique in training. But in terms of like race plan, I I just usually just focus on myself. So you mentioned that you do 15 to 20 races during like a, a normal season. I'm assuming you race all over the place. And I'm assuming with that comes a change in weather conditions and stuff like that. So do you have a preference or do you feel like your body reacts differently to say if you're racing in colder temperatures, in hotter temperatures? Um, do you have a preference? Have you got a favorite track? Yeah, so I think the preference would definitely be the hotter it is, the better it is for athletes. because. The hotter you are, the the warmer your muscles are. So you kind of leave, need less of a warm up, and you and you're more fresh going into the race. And yeah, everything just flows a lot better. 
Um, whereas when it's cold, oh, there's nothing worse than trying to run flat out when you don't feel fully warm. Um, so I definitely prefer it to be hot. Um, I love, obviously, the London Olympic Stadium. That that stadium is amazing. I ran my PB, PB there in 2019. Um, so I absolutely love that. But I think for me, it's like athletics can be based a lot on the kind of the conditions. So you've got the wind to contend with, like things like that, that need to work in your favour if you want to run a quick time. And a lot of the time that just doesn't happen. That's interesting Um, because as as someone viewing, as a viewer, as someone who's a fan of the sports or whatever, you don't really think about the wind. You kind of just see you running. And I guess even the smallest wind speed going against you will affect your time, won't it? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the good thing about that is whoever you're racing that day, you've all got the same conditions. And typically in like bigger stadiums, so like London or big Olympic stadiums, tend to feel less of the wind because they're so sheltered from the actual stadium. But a lot of the smaller stadiums, you really do feel it. And it's really not nice when it's when it's in your face on the home straight. And so, yeah, there is a lot to to take into consideration because like you said, you're trying to run as fast as you possibly can. And if there's certain factors in the way, um, it really doesn't help. Do you remember the coldest track you've raced on? And like, it, it sounds such a strange, strange question, but I really am intrigued as, as to like, what's the coldest you've actually raced in? Raced in? What temperature? Um, I can't remember the coldest. And I think typically in not, um, I mean, British summer is never great, but it's, I think when you've grown up, in this country, you are very, very, very resilient for anything <laughs> yeah. like over oh, five yes. degrees. And I've, I always notice that when I race abroad, um, and not just myself, other Brits. That's interesting all, you say this. Yeah. We always tend to do better than um, like athletes that are from warmer climates because we're just so used to it. And especially like growing up in Doncaster, there was no indoor facilities. So I just trained outside my whole life. Um, so I'm just so used to it. And even yesterday, me and my coach are having debates um, whether I can run outside or not because it's too cold. And I'm like, I'm from the north. Like, <laughs> this is T-shirt weather. Of course I can run out, outside. And he's a lot more um, kind of strict with stuff like that. And he, he wants me to stay inside because I might pull a muscle. Yeah, I think typically Brits um, on the whole are better in cooler conditions than, than athletes from warmer climates. So for uh, someone who, uh, well, I was about to say for someone who wants to kind of break into uh, the world of athletics, but I imagine you've got to be very young and therefore won't be listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, there is an age limit when when you're doing sports, unfortunately. <laughs> what? So what age do you, so would you say it's like, because you said you started training at what, eight, did you say was kind of Yeah, your... I'd say I got into running at eight. That's, that's so Yeah, that's but a lot of athletes. Think. I, I didn't, like I said, specify till I was about 16. And a lot of athletes come in at like between 16 and 18. But I, I think kind of the older you get, the almost harder it gets because you need, you need, uh, like if you watch normal people run versus, ath- if in fact, scrap that. If you watch <laughs> I, love other- how, I, love, I love how you said normal people. Yeah, <laughs> I don't consider myself to be normal. <laughs> if, no, if you, even you watch other sports people, so like footballers, rugby players, anything, if you watch them run compared to athletes run, there is a huge difference um, because all athletes do is focus on technique and it's the best, te- the best technique possible to, to 
like run your fastest. So for me, it's easier to nip that in the bud when you're younger rather than as you get a bit older, you've kind of got set in your ways about your your technique and it's a lot harder to change. Um, so yeah, I'd say kind of if you can if you want to get involved, I mean it's never too late to start running. And 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 I broke through when I was 24 and that's considered old um, to break through in athletics. But yeah, it kind of does help to at least be active um as a child and, and as a teenager. I guess be active whenever, to be honest, you know. Yeah, definitely. Get out get out there and run as long as you're not cut well. Even if I guess if you're not training um as an elite athlete, it doesn't really matter if you're going out in the cold to, to run, I guess. It's, yeah, it's all, just it's wrap good. up. <laughs> uh so a, a question I'm gonna finish on one more question, and it's a question I ask every single one of my guests, and that is if I gave you a blank canvas, what would you paint on it and why? Um I'd paint a sunshine just because I think everyone it's just so fed up right now. And this winter just seems colder than normal. And yeah, I want a sunshine to be laying in the sun somewhere a lot happier than what everyone's going through at the moment. Because yeah, it's been really, really tough times this year. It has been very tough, but I'm also very grateful and had a great time speaking to you, Beth. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Blank Canvas. You can check out our website, www.ablankcanvaspod.com. Or you can follow us on Instagram at a blank canvas pod or like us on Facebook forward slash a blank canvas pod.